Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank You for Your amazing grace. Lord, where would any of us be without Your grace? But on a road to eternal damnation. But Lord, because of Your grace, Your marvelous grace, Your grace in sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And raising Him up again, Lord, so that we may have an eternal hope in Him. Lord, thank You for Your grace. And Lord, I pray as we live, as we live as recipients of Your grace, May our lives reflect your glory to this lost and broken world. Lord, teach our hearts now from your word, I pray. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 4 through 7 this morning. I want to thank Brother Elva for coming and sharing with us about the Gideons. Uh, I can, what a great gift is God's Word. God's Word is unlike any other word. It is a word that spoke and brought into creation all that is created. It is a word that is when it spoke, hearts are changed from darkness to light, from deadness to life. It is the word that will one day sound and all things will be made new. God's word is a powerful word. And it's a great thing to put in the hands of people around the world. So I encourage you, I can remember as Brother Elba was talking about, I can remember as uh, I was there in boot camp and I got that New Testament going into boot camp and I took that New Testament with me everywhere I went in boot camp and I can remember sitting up at night and reading through that New Testament so that was a treasure to me in boot camp it was a treasure to others who were there as well and so do support the Gideons and the work that they do and uh, the love offering that he mentioned will be taking up taken up at the end of service. We'll actually have ushers at the door. So if you'd like to give to the Gideons and their work, then run by those, those ushers and give at the end of this service. And I do encourage you to give freely to them. What a wonderful ministry they have. Today we are looking at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, as we are still on our path of discovering joy. Discovering joy. How do we have joy in the time of trial? So today we're looking at dealing with trial. So if you would, stand with me in reverence for the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. Trials are just a natural part of life in this fallen and broken world. We all face trials. We all face times of sorrow, times of trouble. We have to realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, persecution will come. That's the, 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 uh, the context in which Paul is writing, right? That's what he is talking about. These Philippian Christians, they are there and they are, they are under persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul himself, while he was there in Philippi, he was imprisoned and beaten for his testimony of Jesus Christ. And now he has left them behind and now the church is suffering persecution for their testimony in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we are followers of Christ, as we seek to live a Christ, a, a life of righteousness in Christ, we will receive persecution. We look in our world today and, and look and hear the news media. And if you claim to be a Christian and you stand upon biblical values, then you are considered intolerant we see that persecution becoming more and more alive even here in the United States where we're supposed to have freedom of religion. Persecution is a natural part of the Christian life. In this world of brokenness, there's also, there will be plenty of heartaches and heartbreaks. There will be loss and there will be death. So how do we deal with the trials how do we deal with sorrows and troubles in this life? How do we deal with them in a way that would glorify God? How will we face our trials and troubles with the joy of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul tells us here today in our passage, when trials come, and they will come, Rejoice in the Lord, and in prayer give your trials to Him, and you shall surely find peace. Let me say that again. When trials come, and they will come, rejoice in the Lord, and in prayer give your trials to Him, and you shall surely find peace. So as we look at this passage this morning then, we, we see when trials come, first thing that we must do if we want to face trials with joy, when trials come, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what Paul says there in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now Paul has been telling us all along throughout this book to rejoice in the Lord, hasn't he? If we go back to the very beginning there in chapter 1, as Paul is, is facing, he is in, in prison there, and he talks about those who are going out proclaiming the gospel. There are some there who are proclaiming the gospel because they think it's going to hurt Paul. They think that they're gonna, he's going to see them uh, out there working and people coming to faith through their ministry, and he is going to be jealous, and they mean it to 
to, to hurt him. And he says there in chapter 1, verse 17, the former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, and yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help um, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So even as Paul, Paul here is in prison in a Roman prison cell. He is awaiting trial before Caesar. And as he is in prison, he says, I rejoice. I rejoice as I look out and I see uh, the gospel being proclaimed. I rejoice because he is, his name is glorified. Skip on over there to chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 17. Here he says, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, Even if I am to go to be a martyr for Christ, even if my blood is to be poured out for the gospel, I rejoice. I rejoice. I have great joy in this. And I want you to rejoice with me. Again, skip on over there to, to chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. And that's, the, that's an introduction to that next sentence there. Even as false teachers come, he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Even as false teachers come and, and attack the true gospel, nevertheless, rejoice in the Lord always. And now we come to this final chapter, chapter 4, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. You see, Paul is bringing out a, a clear uh, point to us. No matter what you face in life, no matter what comes at you, no matter the trials, no matter the persecution, no matter the circumstances that you might face, rejoice in the Lord. We can always find joy in the Lord, can't we? As followers of Jesus Christ, we must rejoice in the Lord. How do we rejoice in the Lord? We rejoice in the Lord in what the Lord has done. We rejoice in the Lord because of what the Lord has done. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He looked down upon us. He saw us in our sin. He saw us and in where we were headed in our rebellion against God. He saw us headed towards hell. And Jesus Christ came and He died on the cross receiving that punishment that we deserve being raised again, promising us new life. 
He took the punishment that we deserve so that we might earn, that we might gain the life that He deserves. We rejoice in the Lord because of what the Lord has done for us. He has given us eternal life. The persecution is not the end of the story. The troubles that we face in this life is not the end of the story. Death for followers of Christ is not the end of the story. Sickness is not the end of the story. Because of what Jesus came. We have a life ahead of us. Eternal life ahead of us. Filled with joy everlasting. No more sorrow. No more pain. John 16.33 says, I have, said to, I have said these things to you that in Me you may have peace. This is Jesus speaking. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus doesn't hide a thing, does He? As He is preparing to go to the cross, He, he gives His disciples these instructions. You're going to face trials. You're going to face tribulations. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face disappointments. That's what you're going to face in this world. But He says, take heart. Take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Whatever troubles this world can throw at us, who cares? Because Christ has overcome the world. And when we trust in Him, no matter what comes, we can have joy. Because He has overcome the world. We rejoice in the Lord for what He has done. And we rejoice in what the Lord has promised. We rejoice in what the Lord has promised. If you continue on in chapter 14 of John's Gospel there, or go back actually, that was in 16, but you go back in John's Gospel to chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, Jesus tells His disciples this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself that where I am, you may be also. We rejoice in what the Lord has promised. The Lord promises us that He has prepared us a place, an eternal place in His Father's house where we would dwell for all of eternity, feasting at His table, rejoicing in His presence, Singing praises to God in person. Oh, praise God that we can rejoice in the Lord and what He has accomplished, what He accomplished back there on Calvary's cross and what He has prom promised us in that eternal future. When trials come, we must rejoice in the Lord. Second, when trials come, we must reflect the grace of the Lord. We must reflect the grace of the Lord. You remember here that he is talking of, of a time of persecution. These Christians here are facing persecution. People are, are coming after them. Perhaps some of them have been thrown in jail. Perhaps some of them have been beaten. 
They've been counted as outcasts of their city. That's what the, the context, the historical context of this is taking place. But Paul says you need to reflect the grace of your Lord. Let your reasonableness, there he says, be known to everyone. Some translations say gentleness. Perhaps that is the better translation. Let your gentleness, let your graciousness be known to everyone. That means do not retaliate. As persecution comes, as, as people begin to, to mock you and ridicule you for your faith in Jesus Christ, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate, but let your reasonableness, let your gentleness be known to everyone. One commentator tell, says of this, this little phrase here, the term gentleness or reasonable, reasonableness here, was often used to describe an attitude of kindness where a normal response would be retaliation. Thus, in the apocryphal book, of, uh, book Wisdom of Solomon, a group of evil people decide to persecute a righteous man because uh, a righteous man whose virtuous life is a rebuke to them. You see, that's, that's what the righteousness, the right life does, the righteous life does. When people look at you and you're walking according to God's Word, that's a rebuke on them. And therefore, they want, to, they want to persecute you. They want to come after you. He goes on there to say of them, uh, this, this evil group, they say, let us test him. Let us test this righteous man with insults and torture so that we may find out his gentleness. See, same word. Let us find out his gentleness and make trial of his forbearance. This is probably also the nuance of the term in 2 Corinthians 10.1 where Paul implies that the origin of his own gentle conduct with the recalcitrant uh, Corinthians is the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So similarly, Paul wants this persecuted church to not return evil for evil, but return evil for good. Let your gentleness, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Don't retaliate. Persecution comes when they mock you and revile you because of your faith. When they call you intolerant. Don't retaliate, but respond with grace. Respond with grace. That is what Jesus, that's how Jesus responded. John's Gospel tells us, or excuse me, Luke, Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 23, verse 34, tells us of Jesus' response when He was there on the cross and the soldiers were mocking Him. When the religious leaders were ridiculing him, when the crowds were spitting on him, he looked down with compassion and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's how we ought to respond. When people come and and bring all kinds of stuff against us. 
We don't retaliate, but we respond with the same grace that God responded to us with. And we say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we must re reflect the grace of our Lord by not, re not retaliating, but responding with grace. We are called to be lights of the gospel in everything we face, in every circumstance, in every situation. We're called to be the light of the gospel so that when people look at us and say, how can you take that and not seek vengeance, we can say, because God had grace upon me and instead of seeking vengeance for my rebellion against Him, He sent His Son to die for me so that I might have life in Him. We respond with the grace of our Lord. So when trials come, we rejoice in the Lord. We reflect the grace of our Lord. And third, we lean on the Lord who is here. We lean on the Lord who is here. Notice that next little phrase there. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, if you're under heavy persecution from a, a city of folks, there's probably a little reason, you, at least the human mind would think, there's reason for some anxiety, isn't there? But Paul says, don't be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Now there are a couple ways that we can interpret this and think about this. One way is to, to think about that. Paul could be saying, the Lord is at hand. Meaning that the Lord is near or the, the time of the Lord's coming is near. Sometimes it, it uses that kind of phraseology to, to bring out that point that the Lord's return is, is imminent. It, it's any time. It could happen any time. Therefore, don't be anxious. But I think there's another way that we understand this, this little passage or, or this little phrase. The Lord is at hand. I think the point Paul is getting across is that He's here. The Lord is here. He's with you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone, but the Lord, the Lord is at hand. He's right here with you, going through it with you. I think that's the point Paul is getting across here in this passage. I think that's what goes along with the context. So we, if we understand it that way then, we notice here the, the emphasis of these words. Just think about the, the different emphasis that we could lay on this. The Lord is at hand. We might need to understand that, that Christ is Lord of all. Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Christ is Lord of all. He is Lord over everything. That's what he says there in, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, isn't it? As he comes to his disciples just before he ascends to heaven, 
He comes to them and he says, all authority in in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord of all. He reigns over all. There's not one maverick molecule in all of creation. He is Lord over all. Christ is Lord. Not only is Christ Lord of all, but Christ is always present. He is always present. He's always here. Wherever you are, here He is. He's always present. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. He is with you. He's present with you. Go on in Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them all that I have told you. Behold, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter where we go. No matter what we do. No matter what we may face in this life. Jesus says, I will always be with you. If you trust in me, if your faith is in me, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be there with you always, even to the end. When we face trials, we must understand that the Lord is at hand. He is the sovereign Lord of all things. There's nothing outside of His power and His control. And He is there with us going with us through whatever we face. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to like everything that we go through. It doesn't mean that every time we say, Lord, will you free me from this, that the Lord is going to free us from it. But He is sovereign over all. And whatever He allows us to go through, He has a purpose and a plan is far greater than that which we can see and understand. The Lord is at hand. Trust in Him, and He will be with you always, no matter what you face. The Lord never, ever, ever abandons His own. So when trials come, we rejoice in the Lord. We reflect the Lord's grace. We lean on the Lord who is here, always here. And fourth, you must give your worries to the Lord in prayer. You must give your worries, your anxieties to the Lord in prayer. Notice verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, In supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How do we face trials? What do we do when they come? What do we do when we have to uh, bear the troubles of this world? Paul says, you go to the Lord in prayer. You go to the Lord in prayer. 
When anxieties come, when you face those concerns, you go to the Lord in prayer. Now notice that word, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. What does this word mean? You remember that we looked at that. Paul, uh, he he said that earlier in in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 28, he's talking of himself there. He's sending Epaphroditus back to the Philippians because they heard he was sick. And Paul says here, I'm sending sending him back to you, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him and that I may be less anxious. Now, that word there is actually a different Greek word than what's used in our passage today. That word in chapter 2 means to be sorrowful. Paul was sorry that the Philippians were they, were, they were hurt, they were feeling sorrow because they heard their, their brother Epaphrodites was sick and almost near to death and their heart was with him and they longed to see him. So Paul doesn't want to feel sorrowful anymore. So he sends Epaphroditus back to the Philippians. But now here he says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, this word here in this passage is a different Greek word. And this word here means to have an anxious concern based upon apprehension about possible danger or misfortune. So it's not the, the sorrowful, that, that feeling of sorrow that Paul felt for the Philippians, but it's an anxiety over a situation that they don't really know how it's going to work out, and, and they're just not, they just don't know. They're worried. They're anxious about the persecution that they're facing. And Paul says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. But in everything, a prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, make your, let your request be made known to God. You see, we must take everything to the Lord in prayer. When, when anxieties come, when troubles come, when, when things come up that we don't know, how's this going to work out? We don't begin become overcome by anxiety and worries, but we take it to the Lord in prayer. We pray trusting God. We pray to the Lord, trusting God, trusting that God will answer our prayers. We pray trusting God. That's what Paul is getting at here. What's the the reason for anxieties? What's the reason for worries over the unknown? The reason is because we don't trust God. We don't trust that God is sovereign over all. We don't trust that God is working everything according to His plan and His purpose. We don't trust God, and so we get anxious. We get worried. Yeah, we may not know the circumstances, but God does. We don't know how it's going to end, but God does. How are we going to trust God? We must trust Him. He is Lord over all. So Paul says when those times come, when trials come, when tribulations come, don't be anxious. But pray, trusting God, trusting His sovereignty, trusting His rule and His reign. We pray, trusting God. We pray with urgency. We pray with urgency. That's the meaning of that word supplication. 
Supplication means to, to petition God. It means urgency, an urgent request. I need you, Lord. I need you now. Come to you with urgency. There's trouble on me. There's trouble coming. And we go to God with urgency. He should be the first person that we go to, right? When anxieties come, when we face the troubles and trials of this world, we shouldn't call up mom and dad first. We shouldn't call up our, our best friend. We shouldn't call up our Sunday school teacher. We shouldn't call up all of these other people first. Yeah, you, you go to them. We, we love one another. We support one another. But our first stop is with God. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray with urgency knowing that He is the one who has the answer. We pray trusting God. We pray with urgency and we pray with gratitude, with prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Now, why would Paul say when you're going through trials, you pray with urgency and with thanksgiving? Even before the trial is over, you pray with thanksgiving. Why? Because God answers every prayer. God answers every prayer. It may not always be the answer we're looking for. It may not always be the answer we want. But God answers every prayer. Every one of them. You know, this past weekend, Saturday, yesterday, we buried my brother-in-law. Been fighting cancer. And he's been praying to God, God, heal me. Heal me. Heal me. We've been praying with him, Lord, heal him. Heal him. Heal him. And you know, we wanted God to heal him here now in this place so we could have him here with us. That wasn't God's plan. God healed him by taking him home. Donald's no longer suffering from cancer. Cancer no longer has dominion over him. But he is healed. He is resting in his father's house. He is feasting at his father's table. God answered the prayer. He healed him by taking him home to be in his presence. God always answers our prayers. So every time we pray, we pray with thanksgiving. And when we live like this, when trials come and we rejoice in the Lord, we reflect the grace of the Lord. And we lean on the Lord who is always present with us. And we give our worries to the Lord in, in prayer and thanksgiving. Then, in the midst of trials, we find peace in the Lord. Verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Do you know that kind of peace? Do you know that kind of peace? That even when your heart's broken, even when you're hurting because of loss, even when you're in the heat of persecution, do you know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? See, that's the promise that we have. When we trust in Him and give ourselves over completely to Him. Dear friend, when trials come, rejoice in the Lord. And in prayer, give your trials to Him and you shall surely find peace. I ask you today, do you know that kind of peace? Do you know the peace that can only come from knowing Jesus Christ? Perhaps you're here today and you've never understood that kind of peace because you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord says, trust in Me. Trust in Me. Believe in Me. Believe that I died on the cross for your sin. Believe that I was raised again to give you an, an eternal hope. Believe in Me. Turn your life over to Me. And you can have this kind of peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't know Christ. I invite you to rest in Him today. There's nothing for you to do but to trust in Him. Rest in Him. If you want to know more about that, you want to understand that better, you need, you got questions, then in a moment when, when Brother Larry comes and, and they begin to play, I invite you to come. Perhaps you're here today and you're just a Christian, but you're struggling. I understand that. I understand that. Our family's had some of those struggles this week. Trust in the Lord. He is with you. He will get you through it. He will bring the peace that surpasses all understanding. Just give yourself to Him. Heavenly Father, we pray today, O oh Lord. Lord, I know that today there are, are many here who are going through trials in their lives. There's broken hearts. There's hurting hearts. For a multitude of reasons. Reasons are endless in this broken world. But Lord, You have overcome the brokenness. We just need Your hand of peace to be upon us as we travel through this broken land. Lord, bring peace today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Together as we respond to God's Word this morning, hymn number 317, Only Trust Him. Come, every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. 
Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. For Jesus shed His precious blood, rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust Him. Amen. Brother Larry, Brother Miss Sue, come on up here. Uh, we've got business to take care of, and that's always a good thing. Brother Larry and Miss Sue come to us this morning, want to join our fellowship uh, by letter. So what's the, uh, the pleasure of the congregation? Amen. A hearty amen. So we're glad to have them here with us. And look forward to the great ministry and all the opportunities God is going to let us have and experience together as we, we uh, aim to glorify His kingdom. So in a moment when we close, after we close with prayer, I'm going to ask them to stand up here so you come and welcome them into our family this morning. So. Um, do remember tonight's Bible study, Thriving in Babylon, will be downstairs, and also the security team meeting right after service. We have lunch down there, so come and be a part of that. Brother Tim, would you come and close us in prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the blessings of life. We thank you for friends, family. We thank you for our church. We thank you for people coming to join with us as we fellowship and, Lord, serve you in, an, in each of our own individual ways. We thank you again. We ask you to continue to be with us and guide us. In thy precious name we pray. Amen.